sometimes still stuck in the old 21st century. This is Star Trek Discovery Pod, a sometimes funny, sometimes smart podcast covering all things new and classic Trek. I'm your so chill, I just might be dead captain, Mariah Gossett. With me on the V screen, we have Clyde Haynes. Row, row, row. That's all your boat. Gently down the stream. That's it. Merrily, no. And your recently reinstated podcaster. Oh, see, that's that's. I think that counts as three in a row, guys. I think <laughs> yes. that's you know, like I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> you never said your name, Paul. Oh, I'm Paul. <laughs> Damn it! Now back to zero. Like you know, zero days of no incident. Ugh. Reset the clocks, everyone. Oh, if you're track. Daylight savings. Daylight savings. You know, uh, anyway. It's affecting all of us. Time. What is time? But something we've made up. Tonight, we are talking about the fifth episode of this third season of Star Trek Picard, entitled Imposters. It's directed by Dan Liu and uh, written by Cindy Appel and Chris Derrick. Uh, just a couple of reminders before we get started for our live audience this evening. Um, Clyde, how can people engage with us this evening? Carrier pigeon. That's what we're doing this week. No. Carrier um, pigeon. Okay. You write the little note and then you fly it up. One of us will get it and then we'll read your comment live on the show. No, if you're watching us live, please type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat and we will take a look at your question, your comment, your correction. Your altogether just wonderful statement. We'll take a look at it. Um, and when that special time comes, type capital H, capital F, capital HF in the chat, and we'll take a look at your thoughts on tonight's episode. Indeed. Paul, if folks are listening to us in the audio version, who we do love and appreciate, um, and they want to maybe like share this show or support us in other ways, what are some ways that they can do that? Wow, you're, you're you're asking these questions in different ways, and like you're trying to trip me up. <laughs> trying to mix it up, Paul. We're five episodes in. <laughs> because, because you think that I might be an imposter. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Uh, like uh, but for uh, for our listeners, like uh, please subscribe to us uh, to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. All links at Star Trek Co. And if you love this content and you would like to join us on our Patreon. For just two strips of gold plus press platinum or dollars, uh, you can uh, that will really help us at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Indeed. And Bravo. for our patrons, I'm trying to work on potentially something to give folks, maybe, potentially, maybe a pin or a sticker, something of the sort. So if you have a preference, let us know. Um, and the way to let us know is by joining us for $2 at the Patreon and talk to us over in the Slack. So working on some fun things, trying to get some things together. Um, I offered right. up a sticker of my face, but Mariah didn't like that idea oh. very much. So I'll, I'll, I'll work on something. Clyde, you are send a me your ideal. Send me your ideal selfie for this sticker, Clyde. <laughs> okay. You just let me know. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'll take a screenshot of this thing. But I do think it is now time for some... Time for some hot breaks. Uh, Clyde, what did you think of this episode? I love this episode, but I've been a Rolaren fan from forever. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure why, but I'm just, I love Ro. And, it, you know, this, this whole s season has been about pa Picard's relationship with his son. And I looked at them in that in that um, kind of ten forward scene in the the holodeck scene, and was just thinking, you know what? This is the daughter. This is his daughter that he's he he always had but didn't realize that that's the relationship that they have. And man, I just I thought this episode was fantastic. Paul, thoughts? It's all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I I, I love the episode. Uh, it's. It rivals last week's episode, which I thought was like near perfect for for what I want. Uh, I, I I feel like maybe construction wise, like this or uh, or pacing, it wasn't as exciting for me because like we're always cutting back between well, the return of Worf and Ralphie, right? Mm -hmm. You know. So, uh, but the emotion, 
but the emotionality of like Roe and Picard's scenes together is just so it's it pays off so much stuff. Like if you're an old time watcher like myself, like you know, it, it pays off like the penultimate episode of uh Next Generation. Uh and, and like, you know, in Deep Space Nine you're wondering when, when's the Dominion coming? You go like, What happened to Roe? You know, it pays all that off too, like, you know. Uh and I don't know, it's just it's just like as surprising it is for Picard in in the sense of seeing Roe again and dealing with all those feelings, like I don't think he knew he needed that kind of like uh, uh, closure. I don't think as an audience member, I need. I knew I needed that kind of closure mm. with Roe. You know, yeah, I'm a big old softy. Like you know, a you know, yeah. No, I I'm with you. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm um, I'm glad we we're finally getting some of these pieces put together. I think um, Worf and Rafi are so fun together. Um, I really enjoyed their scenes a lot this episode. And I agree. I was always a fan of Roe as well. Um, I'm not as deep as a TNG person, but uh, I've definitely watched all of the Roe episodes. And that's probably one of my favorite um, arcs of like a non-main series cast member. So I'm definitely on the same page with with y'all with uh, enjoying seeing her here. Um, and I felt I, I was, I wonder if this was the actress saying, I won't ever come back now. <laughs> And like, not a bad way, but in a, you know what I mean? Like, she's like, okay, it's fully, this book is now closed, like closed, closed. You know what I mean? Because uh, she was actually invited to essentially be the role of of Kira before there was Kira for Deep Space Nine. Oh, was uh, she? And turn that down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. So uh, I just thought that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think... My one frustration is I'm like, Jack, why are we telling no one you are having these wild ass visions of killing people? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you right now, like, you know, when I have those visions of like phasering like people, I don't tell anyone. Even if they're so real, you're standing in the room where you might be doing it while holding a phaser. While holding a phaser. I mean. Oh, am I supposed to be telling people? <laughs> uh, ideally, Paul. <laughs> ideally. Do we need to give you a phone number? Um <laughs> of someone you can talk to um but but yeah i'm enjoying it i i feel like the pace is getting a little bit quicker i honestly thought this episode ended when the ship was starting to uh come back around to like uh hit yeah, sure sure like uh, uh, the, the titan yeah the titan and um the intrepid i was like what's the other shit when the intrepid was like looking like it's like a little dragon like popping its little oh, head up yeah. being like Psh, and i was like oh because it goes black and i was like oh wow we're gonna end right at the beginning of the action sequence and then we came right back and i was like oh okay good we're gonna keep it moving let's keep going you know i i was i was happy about that uh i did want to ask you all something because i feel like we've sort of all touched on this is that we all have deep nostalgia for all of these characters, right? Like we all are so excited. Except for Shaw, but yeah. Uh Well, like when Ro Laren appears on the screen, I feel like all I've seen on Twitter is like, everyone is just nothing but excited. I feel like Mm -hmm. everyone's really embracing um, even our new characters. I feel like Shaw has had quite a redemption arc on the Twitter space, especially. Um, And, and hopefully in our hearts and minds. Uh, Until he started humming, and like the, I was like, the, the music from the Breakfast Club. Can you be mad at that? <laughs> uh, but um, but my question is, and this is when um, you know I wish Grant uh, still had time to to hang out with us. Is do you think this series is enjoyable if you started watching Picard from Picard season one? Ooh, that's that, that's that, that's a that's a that's a hot hot Mariah. It's not that like I'm having a great time watching it, but I am wondering it's mostly I think I'm also feeling a little bitterness about how much because I love discovery like so much. And because they're taking it away from me, I'm feeling very guarded about like my new Trek sphere and how (laughs) folks are being like, this is the best Trek that's been on air since the original series. Like there is like crazy amounts of chatter on the internet. That's insane. But crazy amounts of chatter. All these polls being like, what's the best new Trek? And it's always like, uh, you know, anyway. I, I'm the answer having, is still discovery, by the way. So that's, if you're that, confused I, I, about that, that's I also the have these feelings. <laughs> but to me, that then brings up the question because I have friends who have never watched other Star Trek. Their first, stre- their first Trek is discovery. Like they haven't even been watching Picard. 
because they don't know who any of these characters are. And I find that fascinating. So, I mean, I was, I, you know, it's funny. I wasn't quite thinking about this question the way you, you asked it, but as I was watching this episode for the second time today, um, I'm just looking at this, these characters and I'm looking at Beverly in particular and I'm looking at Beverly and I'm looking at how she interacts with the, the actual chief medical officer on the ship. Right. And I'm looking at her like Beverly just kind of walks in and she's running the stuff. And the, the, you know, the chief medical officer is like, like, what would you like me to do? What do you think? And I'm like, mm. and I'm just looking at this and I'm going, I love Beverly. I have history with Beverly. You know, mm. in the Slack, there there was a conversation about um, who should the next cameo be, and someone said Pulaski, and I was like, "Don't do that," because see, I didn't like Pulaski the first time she came on because she wasn't Beverly. So I have this attachment to Beverly because that's my chief medical officer, mm-hmm. right? That that's who it is, and I'm going, yes, but here, it, what I'm seeing is this nostalgia, right? They're it's just, I, I mean, they, 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 I felt like they gave her more stuff to do. I don't know if you connect with this show if you didn't see, if, if this is your first Trek. I, I don't know how you could have like, these think, feelings for these characters that we have meeting them for the first time now. Yeah, I, I think you can still fully enjoy this show, like fully enjoy it without having the backstory. But I think something like all of our deep emotional connection to Roe. I think if I was sitting down and watch it, because when I was watching it the second time, which is already like impossible to do because I'm watching it the second time, I was trying to be like, if I had no backstory to Roe, would I find this to be um, a successful ending to this character? Did you watch Battlestar Galactica? I did watch Battlestar Galactica. I'm saying if if you if you watch Battlestar Galactica and she pops and you've seen it and she pops right. up as this character, you still would have. Right. right. She also played one of my favorite villains in True Blood. You know, like this actress has played yeah. a lot of pretty iconic I, characters. I do love Michelle Forbes. So she's she's like she she walked in with more gravitas than I remember. Like she yeah. has way more gravitas now than she did as Ensign Rolaren. And and I even felt like she was huge when she walked into a room then yeah i and and by the end of it i was like i do think you get the importance of her in in picard's life by the end of this even if you did not have full knowledge of her arc in tng i think but again it's hard for me to fully say because i do have a knowledge of her of her story arc right well i i I have a take uh if you know about maybe what seven years ago or some number of years ago, like, you know, Doctor Who became really hot again, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, people just dove in going, oh, my God, this is so great, blah, blah, blah. And I dove in before, uh, after David Tennant uh, left. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you see all these people come in and out of Doctor Who's life. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, I wasn't there at the original with the scarf Doctor Who. Uh, but at the same time, like, if done correctly... Like you know the importance of these things, the Daleks right. coming, that you and you know, and 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 so I feel like this episode and this you know this season introduces these people in a way that like is still dramatically relevant. Like you might you you don't get the oh this is a, such a part of the bigger universe type thing that like you might uh, want to, uh, which it's is richness as it is. But like I think on a level of just sheer enjoyment and understanding of drama, I I I have to assume like when I look at it structurally, I feel like it's there. Like, it, like there there are times when like you know, it's always to me it's always like insulting though necessary that like people have to reiterate things they already know. We are like you know like what Ralphie goes like. If they're going to use a wormhole thing to like you know as a diversion, like the you know like like it's all like and that constant reinforcement I feel always gives people space who are jumping in at a, a different time. Right. But, but also like even beyond just the characters, the whole concept of the changeling, they haven't really introduced the changeling as a new villain. Right. It's, it's almost like you've like, I wonder if you're new 
does it not feel like you've walked into the middle of a conversation? But I mean, I think you get the gist, right? They're people, they're mm-hmm. imposters. They, they've they given you, I think, enough pieces of information to know that there are bad. Do you know the full extent of it? No, but I think that they're slowly revealing it. And I think they are smart in this choice of it is a new evolution of the changeling, right? They're giving us yeah. something new mm-hmm. so that you don't kind of, because essentially our characters are learning all of the same pieces of information as we are as the viewer, right? Like you don't need any of the backstory of the changelings really in order to understand what our characters are going through at the moment. Um, I, yeah, I have another, uh, but hold on. Let's say I was just going to add what you don't get is their why. Like, I think we get a little bit of their why, if you know kind of their, but backstory. I think we don't know what their why at the moment. Right. Like, we have no idea why they've decided to come back and do all of this stuff. We know they're co- we know they're coming back, and they've made it clear. You know, Seven delivers that line of like, oh, we've had this technology on board our ships since the Dominion War. So we're like, oh, okay, this is someone we've battled in the past. And I think that's all you kind of need to know going forward at the moment. I don't know for sure. Sorry, Paul, I cut you off there for a second. Go ahead. Well, I, I just had like the most important point ever to be made, and I forgot it now. It's, it's been, de- I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you guys ever watched uh, The Mandalorian? Yes. I've watched them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, like at, at the end of season one, The Mandalorian, like uh, Darth oh, no, the Gideon, you know, cuts up his TIE fighter with the black saber, right? Yes, you, sure. Is it, is it black lightsaber? I don't think I watched that one, but sure. Okay, it's, it's, okay, it's okay. Anyway, so like, if you hadn't watched the cartoon Clones War, which I had not, like, you go like, what the hell's that? You know, like, it, that, that's something important. Oh my God, like, it, it's a black lightsaber. Like, you know, that's really weird. Uh, and, but I still like enjoyed it, even though I didn't know the significance of it. Those who had... I have since gone and researched what it means and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's pretty cool. But like as a straight storytelling, like you can enjoy all that stuff, you know, just straight. And and what actually, the, I, I think what the genius of this reunion episode is, I mean, not episode, but like series season is that like, if, if they do their job right, people watch old Star Trek. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, it's Paramount you know, Plus is like, oh, we're going to take full advantage of this back catalog we <laughs> haven't purchased. Exactly, <laughs> and basically, basically, like, like, like with Ro Laren, oh my god, she dies right here, and then you go like, oh my god, she has such an impact on all these characters. I wonder who she is, and then you just go to the episodes and watch them. Yeah. So I want to talk about that for just a second because I agree, Paul. Like you talk about the Mandalorian, I am one of those people who went and had to research what the hell is this black lightsaber, right? Mm-hmm. And there are times, even with this episode, like w- with this show, like I'm watching going, okay, I got to remember exactly what happened with the changelings. I'm going back and I'm watching. And it's great for, for business. It's great for Paramount Plus. But my question is, is it great storytelling? Because I feel like I'm missing pieces and I'm not getting like, like the benefit of starting a story and learning about it firsthand Unless you're trying to make me guess and figure out the mystery that you're going to unfold. Like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit split. Like, I think they're doing it well. Like, I think they're doing it really well. But I, I get the benefit of having seen, you know, 30 years oh, of Star oh, Trek. Like, I, I think it's a, a lot of different, like, it's layered exposure, right? If you have all the, the, the catalog stored in your brain, everything is hitting right immediately. But if you go in straight without ever seeing any Star Trek and it still can deliver excitement and, and killing goo people and like, you know, karate laser, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think they're succeeding in this way. And I, and I'll, and, and and I want to talk about some theories about Jack kind of a little bit later, kind of connecting with all of this. Um, But I do want to kind of, jump back to the beginning we kind of jumped right into row but we do start with Riker giving a captain's log first time we've heard Riker giving a captain's log since TNG very exciting um of course Shaw has already uh called Starfleet and is singing a song from (laughs) from the breakfast club in the lift he is giddy with giddy giddy but i thought it was like a nice little reminder and i think too if you have not seen other series before of shaw essentially being like 
yeah, y'all have saved the galaxy, but you've all also been real reckless. And here are some examples of that, which well, I thought was an interesting check and in a, a re- reaffirmation of the character of Shaw after he's kind of out of this vulnerable state, right? And and I love that, Mariah. I think I don't know that I love what he did, but I think Shaw and that that turbo lift was amazing. Because you want to talk about callbacks to other episodes and other things that will test your 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 knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Like Shaw is a bit of a he's a historian. Shaw is is the Grant Davis of this of the show, right? Indeed. <laughs> right? Because you know, Paul, what I mean by that is when we first started the the, the podcast, Grant was the newbie. He had never he literally never mm-hmm. seen an episode. And so we would go back. So we started watching Discovery and we'd go back with Grant, particularly for Patreon episodes, and we'd watch Old Trek and we'd watch Old TNG. And no matter what episode we picked, he would come across and go, Picard's a prick. Like it just, it never failed. Um, And so he watched it with the sense of like, you guys love these characters, but they're, they're kind of flawed if you look at them through our lens today. Mm-hmm. that is Shaw. And it's actually kind of sort of amazing. And the fact that he's looking like, yeah, you want to reminisce about all this great stuff, but let me remind you of the complete picture. And so I, I was here for it, even though I didn't appreciate the humming and the giddiness about our heroes being court-martialed. So I think P.W. Gregory makes a good note. Um, Shaw sounded like he was a Lower Decks character with all those references. <laughs> Spot on. Very true. Um, I did think it was interesting to see the interaction between Picard and Jack, kind of their only longer interaction this whole episode, really, in the hallway early on, uh, where he is essentially trying to get Jack to warm up to the idea that he could potentially be in Starfleet, which I think is such an interesting, it's like the most Picard way of showing love. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. in he's like, I have no other way of knowing how to love you, but other than telling you, you should join my bigger family, which is Starfleet. And that's how I'm going to try to show you that I care. You you know, I, I got that. I also, it, it felt like this, this very small nod to the changing generation of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And that I felt like any, if, if you go back and look at Star Trek, you look at, uh, TNG, DS9, you look at Voyager, it felt like any time they came across some rebel, some outcast, some criminal with a great heart, their answer was recruitment. It, it felt like it was always recruitment, mm-hmm. right? It's like, hey, McKee, you know what you could do? Yeah. You could be, you two could be Starfleet, mm-hmm. right? And so in a sense, it was kind of like Picard, like, He's reminding of who he is and who Trek was. And Jack was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to see the parallels. And, and y'all kind of brought it up earlier about how Ro... I felt like that conversation between Ro and Picard in Ten Forward was what he wished he had had with Jack. And it was yeah. very much like seeing if he had had... I think he was seeing if he had had the opportunity to influence Jack earlier on in his life, perhaps he would have ended up being who he... Picard thought he could have made Roe, but he does have this love of these like rebellious, you know, uh, well, people who I mean, like, just want to do good in the world though. Right. Which is, which is really consistent with his character because young Picard is like reckless. Yeah. You know, he, he uh, and so it's, it's great to see as far as like his uh, talking to Jack, from my opinion, I go like, Oh, this just goes to show how little Picard is understanding his son, mm-hmm. you know, like, like oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like it, it's, it goes to the show that like, you know, like I, I think Jack sees who Picard is, you know, like he's a person who mm-hmm. is a, a legend who is totally fine and was totally fine to not have children uh, because he's committed fully to this one cause. But Picard can't see who Jack is. Partly because Jack is like very uh, defensive and like, but like, 
But even well, also, they've only known each other for less than seemingly less than thirty six hours. You yes. know, <laughs> three days. But but like, you know, you know, like Jack has been very clear in who he is. Like you know, he's a rogue. He's he he he's Star Trek Han Solo. You know the way the way he holds himself. Mm-hmm. That's high praise. I'm, I'm not saying that he is. I'm saying that that's how, how he thinks of himself. Alana, <laughs> I think, also makes an interesting point, and I think we see it in this episode. Jack doesn't even understand Jack in that he has something going on, but he has no idea how to express it. And I thought it was interesting that in that kind of final little scene between Beverly and Jack this episode, that she's like, oh, you went through this as a kid like something similar. So it's not mm-hmm. something that is totally new, but it seems to be rearing its head in some way. Um, and I wonder if there's any correlation to him being closer to Picard, like a, a a relation of distance to Picard. Does that enhance these like visions and dreams? It has something to do with the two of them being in proximity with each other. Um, but I, have, I, I, yeah. I suspect there's a possibility that Beverly knows what's going on. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. And like she that. might know a way to help him bring back. Right. Cause this episode sure. we heard Beverly being like, come home, Jack. Mm-hmm. So perhaps there is something that happens that Beverly knows how to bring him back from. Yeah, no, this it's, it's, it's very interesting because like, you know, like mm. watching it the second time I'm watching Beverly and she is, she's holding herself in this, in a way that I go like, Oh, do you know something? Yeah. Is this is this the real reason why you didn't tell Picard that you had a son? Is you know, mm. is X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, there could be more than just like, oh, you know, mm. I didn't want my son to die. You know, it could be a lot of things. I'm I'm really interested. Everything in me wants to disagree. Everything. Um, everything. everything. Like everything? every part of my being wants to go no. But to your point. Beverly's a doctor, and from what we understand, flagship of the Federation, she's a damn good one. And I have to believe that at some point, she scanned and looked at her child numerous times. So there's a chance that if there's something going on with him physically, neurologically, she knows. There's a chance. I wanted to pose, so speaking of people who have changed and in, in medical things, our big reveal is that these changelings can, one, bypass the scans, and two, have seemingly human or humanoid-looking organs until they're dissected, right? Uh, we see them all turn to goo. I thought that was some fun special effects. Um, well, one is... What are some potential thoughts on what causes evolution? And then two, do you think they did it to themselves and potentially genetically modified a la Khan, a la number one, how we've had previous conversations about genetically altered beings? Well, you know, the uh, the, the founders, as they are often called, uh, mm-hmm. they created the Jemadar, they created the Vorta. Well, right, because they used uh, to be solids, right? And then they became... Uh, they used to be solids, but like, but basically they genetically engineered the Vorta uh, to be... Like, they, the Vorta were, were monkey squirrels, and then they made, became the Vorta. And, like, the Jemadar have been, you know, engineered so that they're addicted to Ketracel. Uh, so, like, you know, they're all... Everything is designed. They, mm-hmm. they have a lot of... The Minion is 10,000 years old. Right. They have a lot of tech that, like, you know, is is pretty cool. They can they can transport over like solar systems. Um, so that said, like, you know, it would not be beyond the Dominion's capability to modify any genetics, including themselves, I imagine. Like, I, I think, I think the canon says that. Uh, so, so maybe for whatever reason, like, you know, I feel that like the way that Beverly goes, like it's evolution. It, it feels like, like something, an external force gave them this. Like, you know, it, like if the, like the Borg helped, the, you know, the, mm-hmm. like that, that would be interesting. Look, I uh, agree with that, Paul, because for this very simple reason, evolution is slow. Mm-hmm. Evolution is ridiculously slow. And so if we had talked about, if this was in discovery and we had, ta- you know, mm-hmm. we went ahead, then yeah, then I'd be like, okay, evolution. But we're talking about, 30 years, not even 30 years. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, or, I agree with you. I, I, I could also I could also make the argument that Odo was not a really good uh, changeling. His capabilities of changing were mm. were remedial compared to the founders. Like he he could he couldn't do a face, for example. He always looked like Odo, mm-hmm. uh, and so there could be the uh, the stimulus of like, oh well, I, we need to. They have internal scanners now. We need to get better. So maybe they mm-hmm. just they just jacked up. You yeah. know, they're they're. So I, I don't know. Changelings on steroids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Who knows? Like you know, they, uh, I'm eager to see. Yeah, I was trying to see. Um... I was trying to do some quick, some quick research on if the Borg had ever assimilated the changelings. Um, Never met. Uh, but not... so here's the thing, though: Prodigy, uh-huh. because they were able to assimilate zero, proves sure, sure. that they can assimilate non-corporeal beings. So that does oh. allow for the possibility. Oh yeah, like I, it, I, I feel like if they if they nanoprobe like a changeling, like uh, it would get assimilated. Like you know, the only thing that the Borg nanoprobes haven't been able to deal with is like species, species. like eight four seven two. Yeah, is that eight four seven two? Is that right? Eight four seven two. Yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, so like it, it, it could be like I, I. It'd be very interesting to see, like you know, like there are a lot. There's so many similarities between the Borg and the and the and the founders, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I do so. I guess I'll uh, I'll. Are you guys ready for um, uh, Mariah prediction? So I think because they are probably trying to make it so that if you are only watching this series of Picard, Mm -hmm. and they have introduced an additional big bad, they've given us some references with the changelings. However, the original baddies throughout all of this series has been our Borg and the Borg have played a part in every season thus far. We've had the Romulans with the deborging pro- like protocols happening and the, the big cube second season, obviously we had Girardi and now we have all of this talk of the Daystrom Institute, uh, which is where Dr. Girardi came from. And so I think we're going to come all the way back around and it's going to be, something to do with the fact that Picard was assimilated and had a kid after being assimilated. And I was trying to think if we've ever seen any other person who's been deborgified <laughs> and had children. And I don't think we have. Mm. I, I like I, it. I, I like it. Um, so I think the collective is calling. Well, well so there is canon though, what for what you're saying, because in uh, what you call it in uh, in First Contact, you know Picard knows where to shoot the the cube, because like he can hear the messages, and he right. and he has no more implants in him. Right. So, so there's still some connection to exactly. the hive mind, the same way that Seven can kind of drop back into it if she needs to. Right. Yeah, so but th- does that does that mean that? Two two thoughts have come to me now. Does that mean that if Seven has a kid, they might have a similar situation? Connection and to I the collective, won- potentially. Yeah, and I, I wonder if, I don't know. So when Jack was running through the hallway and Seven grabbed him. Torres, it did- that is interesting. Ooh. Um, I, I yeah, just no, no, never... I guess I, I, I it felt like Seven and Jack had a, I don't know, moment, like just right? a, a moment. Like normally he's like, get, he, I would expect him to be like, get off me. Like, I, I don't need you. But he was just like, okay, where are you? Where are you? Ta-? I don't know. It was something, something there. Something me. there. Uh, something to, there. To, to respond to Alana, like, you know, mm-hmm. as far as Torres, like both Picard I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Janeway uh, and Torres and Tuvok, they, they did go get assimilated. They were on the Borg ship. But she uh, but the doctor gave all three of them like a, a neurolytic blah 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 mumbo jumbo so that they wouldn't they would stay themselves. So I wonder oh, if yeah, because there was something in that they had kind of pre pre-done something prior to being assimilated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they were primed to be unassimilated, you know, like kind mm-hmm. of thing. So I I I wonder if that would be the 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 loophole. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, Picard and Seven are different in that in that way. Yeah. And we and I have to always remember this current Picard 
is a synth, but we, the Picard that created Jack was not a synth. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so <laughs> Jack's baby daddy was all real. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like it would stay within this realm or it could be, I mean, the other big theory I've heard a lot kind of going around is that it's the paw wraiths um, because of the eye situation that is happening. Oh, interesting. Like, uh, like once again, uh, as you know, as the local lore master of the Paw Rays. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> uh, uh, the the prophets have said that, like, the Paw Rays are forever trapped in, you know, the fire caves with Dukat uh, after they burned the book, the Costumogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and since the, uh, since the, what's it called? Since the prophets not only see time but like timelines it would be unlikely that they would be wrong about that hmm. that's just my hot take i could be wrong i'm just saying in canon there there's stuff that like you know uh but like you know but one of the things that but you know the prophets were able to predict a lot of things like you know like for example like uh the coming of peanut hamper it was very mm-hmm. strong in, very in strong yeah, and, and and that was really unexpected too because so close, so <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna tell you, Clyde, I, I, you were never close. You were <laughs> never, never. It's gonna happen. And Paul and I are on it. You're never, we it don't even have close. to talk about it pre-pod. Like, it just organically happens. Uh, yeah, I keep never. letting my guard down. <laughs> I keep every week. I let my guard down, and then, like, I, here I am. I'm listening to Paul, and I'm like, okay, wow. And I'm thinking to myself, Paul knows so much about the Paw race. Like, man, this is great. And then out of nowhere, peanut hamper. And I'm just like. <laughs> That's how peanut hamper is. Right. That is that is the lore of peanut hamper. That's right. That's right. Like you, you got me. You got me good on that one, I have to admit. Like, <laughs> I mean, truly. So the other thing, the other way peanut hamper could come into all of this <laughs> is peanut hamper was already floating around in space had access to the portal technology and portaled roe laren right before that shuttle explosion oh, that, so Ro like that. is I, still I, alive yeah i love that i love that <laughs> no that definitely felt like a michelle forbes like goodbye uh, goodbye like, but you know stop asking me i'm not coming to any conventions uh, i will say I'm michelle out. forbes like does die a lot you know like like <laughs> It's true. She's very good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Worf and Raffi's adventure um, yeah. this episode. I love their fight sequences together. I'm really enjoying all the fight choreography this whole season. I think it's looked really great. Um, and I enjoyed their sort of standoff with um, Kryn, who is our Vulcan sort of deviant from the streets if you will which i found hilarious that he's wearing an edict um like giant necklace Mm -hmm. almost like you see like i don't know like rappers wearing giant crosses i just found it very like i feel like the costume department had a really good time making this like baddie vulcan Like, like he's gonna be a cool cosplay at one point because he's oh. got those cool like green scars under one eye. He's got like slices and dices on his face. Um, and the guy is he also is an actor who's so been a cool. he's been in Twelve Monkeys. There's been a lot of Twelve Monkeys uh, uh, appearances this this season. Um, and uh, I think he's also an MMA fighter. I think that's also what he does. Anyway, fun times. People love people love camoing, uh, doing cameos in Trek. Yeah, no, like, uh, like m- my favorite cameo is Gabrielle Union. That is a good one. Yeah, uh, like I go like as a Klingon. Mine's Padma like, Lakshmi. Pad- that's right. Pad- <laughs> I mean, both of those are good. Both of those are very good. You got you got uh, a favorite? Oh, the Rock uh, is also a fun rock, one. Rock is Rock is great. Uh, you know, this is gonna sound like I feel like it's gonna date me. Uh. So there's two actually like Trek cameos that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, uh, of course, Kirstie Alley like was mm. was one of my favorite. Sure, sure. But but also um, I can't remember her first name. Her last name is like LaBeouf. LaBeouf. She played Sandro in the Cosby Show. 
She okay. the oldest the oldest yeah, yeah, daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was an ensign at one point, and I was, was like, ah, in, in, yeah, in next gen, not next gen. And oh, no, was it? I think it was next gen. As a matter of fact, interesting. Oh, lots oh. of love. Oh, Iggy Pop. That's a good one. Iggy Pop's good. You know, like May Jemison. Love it. Got love some it. Vanessa Williams from the. Oh, yes. how can we forget Stacey Abrams? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kronberg. Yeah, had he only appeared one time, but I I, I like having Cronenberg on the show. Sabrina LaBeouf. Oh, yes. oh, we should say have a shout out for Oscar winner Michelle Yeoh. Or this. Oh, oh. yeah. I mean, kind of like a series yes. reg. I'm ready though. At this point, I'm like, listen, if we can't get Michelle Yeoh back, um, let's just have Worf, Rafi, and Seven lead our Section Thirty One show. Would not be mad. I feel like that's a real easy way to just like kick off the work you've already done on section 31 to swap in these other characters. <laughs> no, like, like uh, I, I would, I hear you, uh, but like, like Worf is a good guy. You know, Ralphie is a good guy and seven is a rogue, but she's a good guy. What you need is a not so Emperor Giorgio. <laughs> you, you, you need you a not so need, You don't need Captain Giorgio. You need it, Emperor Giorgio. <laughs> you don't need a bad guy, but you you can't have a good guy, mm. you know. I, I'm just thinking for Section Thirty One. Like, I, I think, yeah. I think, uh, but you know. Anyway. Yeah, I, I I agree. I will also just say, you know, I've seen some chatter. There's like the, um, you know, some people call it like there's like the curse of the best actress award. Like oh, oh, the, sure, sure, sure. That like kind of happens where folks don't get a lot of parts after they win these really really big awards for a while. Um, and I'm just saying, Star Trek will always have you back, Mich- Michelle Yeoh. Always. Anytime. Always. In whatever r- role and capacity. I'm speaking on behalf of the entire network, but I, I'm sure they would also agree with me. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like, you know, she's also still so kick-ass, right? Like, you know, like, action oh, will always, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, action will always just take you. So, like, I... I I mean, like, even her I mean, little thing was, when they panned to her at the Oscars, where they're like, you're going to have to go through Michelle. Like, she did a full, like, move, you know? Like, everyone else was like, oh, yeah, punch the screen, you know? But she was like, yeah, I'm going to take you I, out. Like, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, M- Michelle Yeoh is, is amazing. But she got her, like, she burst on the scene for us with Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, which... One of the best martial art movies for yeah. as far as I'm concerned, ever. And like she like she was kick ass in that. So for like the stuff that she's doing now feels like this is cake for her. Like this is easy stuff for her. Well, yeah, there's because like she's been those... at the mountaintop. Like Yeah, I mean she's really wrecked herself for plenty of movies. I love watching her um her like um original not original, but like uh, a lot of the Hong Kong like uh, movies that she's in, uh, they are incredible. I'll try to find. There's one where she's literally playing like an Indiana Jones type, like has a full whip, riding a horse, is like kicking everyone's butt, is saving villages, and I'm just like, this is this is all I ever want. It's just Michelle Yeoh kicking butt at all times. No, yeah. no it, it, so it, it, anyway. That's that. That would be. Uh, we've now hit the end of our Michelle Yeoh Love Fest segment, but I feel yeah, like yeah, it's a requirement so. after the Oscars. That's right. <laughs> um, what else for this episode? I mean, our big, you know, a couple of other questions I have uh, in thinking about the season thus far is Beverly seems to know that there's been something wrong, right? Like she was like Picard, trust no one, not even Starfleet, and something's been up with like a miss with Starfleet folks uh, coming after her and Jack. And now she kind of knows about the changeling things happening as well. So when Picard comes out after Shaw says uh, that Starfleet's on the way, I was surprised Beverly wasn't more like, we can't trust anyone who comes over here. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't a big Mm -hmm. reaction Mm -hmm. there. And so I'm just wondering what y'all think was sort of happening in that space. Is she like, oh, we're sort of safe and now I'm safe because Picard is here and Picard can kind of handle it? Or is it like, I mean, what else are we going to do? Like, obviously Starfleet was going to come to this like broken down ship that they have to deal with, right? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think in the end, like, like, if everyone is bad, 
you're paralyzed. So you have to trust someone. Right. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. so I, I think, I think Beverly has no choice but to like start moving cautiously, and she can't just say don't trust anyone, although she does. You know, uh, and she has to, you know, like, even, like she said, trust no one. First thing Picard does, brings Riker. <laughs> I mean, so like, it's 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 one of those things where she's she's being cautious, but I don't think that it's. Uh, I don't know. I I, I think like I think Shaw proved like- himself. Shaw's basically a hero. Anyway, go go by. You're saying, okay. I I think the trust no one is is a misnomer. I feel like it's trust no one else except for our tribe, right? Like if you're in our circle, you're okay. But don't trust anybody else, right? And so, because I, I mean, we're looking and going, yeah, he trusts Roe because she's one of them, mm. right? So he like. It's not like he saw Worf and did and was like, "Oh no, we can't trust him." Like, who are you? It's like, no. It's like, my friend. Like, if you're if you're part of that crew, that clique, then we trust you. But we're not trusting anybody else outside of that. And you know, Shaw is a necessary. You have to, right? But I thought I thought it was funny that that at the end of the day, he's telling Shaw, "Trust me. You got to trust me." Shaw's looking at him like. I I don't have to trust you. I just don't have another choice. I don't know. I mean, like... Uh, it's true. It, it, it is... It's, oh, um, oh, I was going to say, uh, Alana makes a good point. Starfleet's getting infiltrated constantly. They need to get it together. Um, <laughs> even just in the series, the first season, we had yeah, 100%. a bunch of people <laughs> who were infiltrated by the <laughs> Romulans who were uh, in, the, in the synth kind of program mess of it all. Um, well, you know, yeah. in in season one, like Star Starfleet was infiltrated by these bug aliens, and they it, it, they took over like all of the admiralty, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it it took Picard and Riker to to save the day, but like you know, yeah, and I mean, the, I think we have the trope of the bad admiral for this very reason that, as well. That's right there, you go the bad admiral. Yes, I, I guess here's here's something that I have for you, a question for you I, that I have for you guys. Mm-hmm. So this is episode five. Mm-hmm. We've got like what, like three episodes left? Five. Five. Five episodes left. We, don't set me up we, for another peanut, peanut hamper slide. No, no, I, I'm I don't. Not. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. But what I'm looking at is there's some characters that we were were somewhat expecting that we haven't seen yet, and we're at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Essentially, sure. we we have yet to see lore. We have yet to see Moriarty. We have yet to see Jordy LaForge, right? Like at this point, I'm I'm almost concerned. Like to introduce any of those characters, is it is it gonna be a Michelle Forbes situation where you show up halfway through an episode and by the end of the episode you're dead? Like, well, I did see. Um, um... Oh my gosh! How my uh, Mika Bar- uh, Burton um, posted today on Twitter that she's so excited because next week's finally her episode, and she's mm-hmm. like, "And by the time the season's over, you'll be sick of me." So I, I'm assuming that the LaForge okay. family is coming together next week, uh, and I think, and I and I feel like someone made a comment here, so we get a clue from. Um, Kryn, our bad Vulcan, that the way to break into Daystrom is like the most logically illogical way to get into Daystrom. And I think I saw someone in the chat, I'll try to find it again, had said that Moriarty is the way to get past the advanced AI at Daystrom. Maybe. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, it's gonna be interesting. Um, okay, so you use that know. hollow program to like infiltrate and get in, and I'm assuming they're gonna go get their best engineer to help them with this project. Blana Torres. <laughs> I mean, she's one of my faves. <laughs> uh, their insane. best engineer. I should clarify. Um, so yeah, so that that's my my theory about everyone is meeting up at the Daystrom Institute to get into some get some hijinks shenanigans shenanigans at Daystrom 
I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't think that uh, we've talked enough about Shaw and how great he was this episode. Clyde, do you want you want to start? Look, I've already said that I liked kind of what he was doing in the elevator. Um, I think when this is all said and done, Shaw literally is going to, he's a captain and not a temporary captain or a cameo captain. He's a full blown, like Star Trek captain. And Mm -hmm. I actually think that we're going to see tremendous amount of growth from Shaw for the rest of the season. Right. Because I think what we've seen out of Shaw is he's been reluctant. He wants to play it by the book. But at some point, he has to realize that if he at any point, if he plays it by the book, he and the entire crew is dead. Right. Like, yes, they should have never been at that far end of the of the Federation space. But the changelings were coming for him. They had like he, he at one point he mentions like four on a ship. Like, no, man, mm-hmm. that was at least five because you forget the one that you killed earlier. Mm-hmm. Like. At some point, even Shaw has to sit back and go, there have been five changelings on my ship. Standard protocol ain't going to get it done here. And so I think we're going to see growth from him from here on out. So so in your mind, growth is breaking the rules. Growth is knowing (laughs) when to apply the... It's like this. Growth is when do you listen and follow orders? And Mm -hmm. when when do you do what's right? Sure, 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 sure. No, no, I hear you. Like, I just had a thought. Uh, and what if Peanut Beverly butter. is the big? Uh, that's right. What if Beverly is the big bad of this season? I don't know if she would have come back if she was the big bad of the season, unless it was for some very big, justly righteous reason well i say that only because like because i I have in my mind that picard's gonna wind up with laris and so like you know well i don't think they have to end up together i I know i understand i understand i think it would be i i would prefer they don't end up together because i think think they're gonna end up together no i i'm not i'm not asking for that i'm just i'm just going like you know like because like we we talk about how uh how jack is being sketch about you know but if I'm if, if I'm not reading too much into it, I feel like Beverly is the one being the most sketch. Do you think Beverly's going to lose another son by the end of the season? Yes. Uh, I I don't know. I I like there, there's a part of me no. like, like there's a part of me that like, uh, there's a part of me that like I wonder like hey, yeah I don't know like I it's too, it's too half baked to, to to put out there. So I'll say this from a storytelling standpoint, my gut wants to say yes. Because that, that to me, is where I could see the story going. Bad Beverly? It, it, well, no, not Bad Beverly. Like, like ultimately, Jack's going to have to... Sacrifice himself. Sacrifice himself, right? Or Picard's going to sacrifice himself for Jack to live, and that's how Picard's story ends, is yeah, sacrificing. That, that all makes sense. I, I just know. think that from a from a business standpoint... There are a couple characters here that you've invested in. Three new characters that I feel like you've invested in. Jack, Shaw, and Crash LaForge. Right? And I think if you're smart from a studio standpoint, you hold on to those properties because you may want them later. Yeah. Right? Right. It's Um, why we never fully lost, except for poor... um... Oh my gosh! Why am I blanking on his name? Oh yeah, um, the you talking samurai nun? Yep. Mm-hmm. Bad Mariah. Bad. <laughs> oh my god! My brain just turned all the way off. <laughs> I need to reboot. Yes. Um, but yes, I the feel like there's nun. a reason mm-hmm. we haven't lost. You know, like Rafi is still around. Seven is still around. Um, although Seven is a legacy character. Um, you know, but we 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 wrote a way for some of these other characters to have the potential to come back. Right. Yeah. Elnor. Oh my God. Yes. There we go. Um, Also, I don't know. I think, and this is probably more of a question than a statement. 
you're talking about some characters that quite honestly, and I don't want to get into to age really, but you're talking about questions, characters who are in their sixties and their seventies um, or more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they'd want to really play with their legacy. Right. Cause at the end of the day, Gates McFadden is like her television hit. Like she's, she's royalty in television history. She's on one of the most iconic franchises as like she's in the like if if there's a hall of fame for sci-fi she's in it right like i would say this if you line up and say who are the top 10 doctors in sci-fi television history you can't have that conversation without mentioning her name right and so i think you look at you know if you talk about first first officers you can't have that conversation without mentioning Riker's name I just don't know that they're going to play too much like play fast and loose with their legacies um, uh, I mean, like, in this. Like for doctors you got like you know Leonard McCoy mm-hmm. you got sure. uh, Kate Pulaski negative <laughs> negative you have the, do- the doctor the doctor, course, yes, you, right. I think you. Yeah. I think you do have the doctor. Mm-hmm. You, you got the uh, Enterprise doctor. What's his name? Bones. No. You said it over. Oh, uh, the... oh no. no! You can't even remember it, so it doesn't count. <laughs> anyway, I I feel like um, you're right, and I don't think any of these legacy characters are really going to become uh, villains. But I do think there's potential for some of these characters. Flocks. To, thank you. Thank you, Flocks. To get Julian um, Bashir. At, yeah. Julian Bashir. Oh, Bashir, yes. Um, I think there's potential for some of these characters to want to fully close their books. Is, sure, is sure, sure. Um, yes. What I think is there's a potential for. Who Who do you think would want to close their book? Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, who is 82 years old. That I could... That, I, I think I, he would like to keep his executive producer book very open, but I don't know how much longer he wants to be put through the paces on a Star Trek show. I, I'm, he's died already once on this series. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't <laughs> At know. Least I don't once. know. I don't think he has to, but I think, you know, there's, um, I think it's also as, as we talk about business, right? These legacy characters probably cost a whole lot more to bring back than any of these new characters cost to continue mm-hmm. on a new series. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, I think if, if they do the Titan show that, you know, like, I think that, yeah. Aside from aside from seven, like you know, I'm sorry, Commander Hanson. Uh, no, it's seven. It's Commander seven. See, the the thing about the, the thing that's str- that I'm struggling with the Titan show is none of these characters are actually on the Titan <laughs> from the from the books from the novels. Um, not a oh, single one. Well, where do the novels stop? Stop with with, with what's it? Riker, right? Like, don't uh, they stop with Riker? Yeah. Yeah, but this is, this is a Neo Constitution class, baby. Yeah, no, Neo, <laughs> it's the one. <laughs> it, it's just one that you think you'd have a character or something. But anyway, I digress. I'm, my nerd number is showing. So, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I feel like they try to stay pretty faithful to a lot of these things. They said they mm-hmm. referenced the books a lot as they are prepping the Titan. So, um, I think I think they try to keep that in mind for sure. Um, was there anything else y'all want? Ooh, Picard must be assimilated. That would be wild. Can they assimilate synth Picard? Do we get synth locutus of Borg? Well, th- th- there was a point where like uh, Data was going to be synth, uh, you know, assimilated, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, that's true. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and, and he is essentially a product of Data's evolution, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. Very interesting. Um, anything else y'all want to talk about in this particular episode? No, I think I think we're good. You know, I, I'm good. I, I got my my hamper in. Yep, we got peanut hamper in. We're good to go. Yep. Um, um, yeah, I think there's lots of theories swirling around. I'm excited for next week. We shall see what happens. Um, and I think the gang gets fully together by the end of next episode. So I think we'll have the full crew up. The full Scooby gang. Full Scooby Gang ready for shenanigans. Um, 
As always, thank you all so much for joining us this week on the podcast. We will be back next week on Thursday. Join us live if you like to. We start at 8 p.m. Pacific time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern. I just did all of that math. Hooray. And uh, on YouTube, you can find us at Star Trek Discovery Pod. Uh, Visit StarTrekPod.co for links to video and to audio podcasts. Find our link to our Patreon there as well. Shouts to Karen who helps run our Twitter. We're at Star Trek Pod. We'll see you all next time. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, everyone. Bye-bye. Later. Later.